Good morning, everyone. It's, <laughs> it's good to see an almost full house, <laughs> at least as full as, as full as it's possible due to the limitations and the space we have to, to have between chairs. Um, but it's so good to see new faces. <laughs> I don't know, some people are probably here for the first time in this particular church. Maybe it's the first time someone is coming to a church or is, someone is giving the first steps and others have been here for quite a while. So while for some this is another Sunday, and the way you, you see the songs, maybe you, you've sang these songs many times, and even the way sometimes we speak, it's very comfortable, very familiar. For others, it might be still a little bit strange. So you are in this mode of, um, why do they say that? How do they say that, right? And I will try today to be as simple as possible, so that we understand from the, the very root of the meaning I want to, uh, I want to give. Um, but I want to also be complex or challenging so that you will live here today um, challenged by, by what you heard. We are in August and we are continuing uh, the study on the book of Psalms. And Gabi just mentioned um, what happened and how good it was last Sunday. So again, I don't know, many of you were not here last Sunday, but one very special thing that happened last Sunday uh, we try to show that church, what we call church, is not a program, is not a fixed program, is not a mechanical thing where we come down to a particular space that has songs in a way, someone is, is preaching here in another way. It's not about the program, but it's about the community that lives and, 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 and believes um, in this God, and his God uh, gave us his word for us to be fed Daily. So in last Sunday, one thing that we had and was so special is that we had people uh, testifying, talking about something God did very special in their lives. We had Jody, we had Alana, Tekla, we had Dina speaking. And so it was, each of them had a different story. Each of them uh, taught us something that they were taught in their particular experience. And that Sunday was, was very complete because there was a set of teachings that we had. The Bible that we hold in our hands, the Christian Bible we so believe, it's not, it is a book, but it's a collection of books written throughout a span of time. And this book of Psalms that we are studying uh, now, it's also not one book that was written by one very inspired person. The book of Psalms is a collection of songs of hymns and poems that were written by many different people in a span of about 800 years. The same way that we heard last Sunday experiences from Jody, Alan, etc. Imagine now they were so inspired that they, they would write down their experience in the form of a poem. And we would collect that poem and it would, it would bless us for so much time. That's what happened, and that's what the book of Psalms is all about. Some poems were written by Moses, one of the highest prophets of the people of Israel. Other poems were written by Solomon, considered the wisest man that ever lived on earth. Other psalms were written by David, the most beloved uh, king of that people. Other psalms were written by other groups of people, um, 
And this whole collection reflects individual and communal experiences. And it was collected in order to continue teaching the, the different generations that followed. Some of the Psalms, we actually don't know the author, but they were validated and approved and integrated in this collection. And actually, the Psalm I want to bring today, it's a very known Psalm, but we actually don't know the author. <laughs> this Psalm was put in the beginning of this collection of hymns to be used as an introduction of what would be the main themes that the rest of the collection will follow. It's like, um, it's like a summary, a very general summary of what we will get as we read the next couple of, 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 of hymns in that collection. You know, when I don't know, but if you didn't like to read and in your English classes, there was a big book you wanted to read and maybe you went to Wikipedia and you just wanted to search the, the main, uh, the highlight, the relevant parts of that book so then you can say something about it. I mean, this psalm is almost as you, as you, as you open up and as you um, read and understand what are the main topics, you will more or less expect what will follow in the next psalm. And in my opinion, it's a very powerful psalm because it presents the main concepts in a very clear way. Psalm number one distinguishes two paths and where those two paths will lead you. Psalm one, in the first word of the first line of this first psalm, starts with a very important concept. Happiness is real and is possible. It just depends where and how you look. Let's read the song. Gabby, could you pre uh, read it for us, please? I need to drink some water. How blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law they meditate day and night. They will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Okay, while for some this psalm is very known, and I've, I've read it many times and probably I've studied many times, for others it's the first time that I'm looking at this psalm. And what does this all mean? Maybe it's beautiful, some expressions are beautiful, but what do they mean? Or some expressions are a bit challenging to understand. So let's digest, let's dissect a little bit this psalm. But as I mentioned, the psalm starts with an expression. Can you put in the back, how blessed. In other translations, we find the expression in, oh, the joys. We many times use the word 
blessed, be blessed, and it became already a part of, of our vocabulary. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe a, an ordinary word we use, you know, like, oh, you're going to that interview, God bless you, you know, the school, is, the school is about to start, God bless you. The word blessed means to be in the state of fulfillment, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. It is a way deeper expression than just the ordinary or plain happiness in a sense of, oh, how lucky you are, you know? You feel happy or you feel just a nice feeling. To be blessed is to, to have a full state of joy, firmly grounded with a sense of satisfaction. You know? Or you're going to that job interview, be firmly grounded with a sense of satisfaction. Yeah, yeah your school is started. Be fully grounded with a sense of satisfaction. <laughs> what? But that's how the psalm starts. And so, and so the psalm says, it is possible to, have, to be fulfilled, to have a deeper sense of satisfaction of those who... And then the psalm presents us the two paths. And we are going to, uh, to explore both of them. A full state of joy is achieved by, and the first path that the psalm tells us is actually saying that a fully satisfied person, a blessed person, is someone who is described here as someone who avoids something. He or she denies something, has a path to be fully satisfied. Let's look at verse number one. Dina, you can put, please. Here you go. How blessed are those who do not. Who do not what? They do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. They do not stand in the path of the sinners. And they do not sit in the seat of scoffers. I highlighted the parallel that we can find there through those expressions. Do you notice it? There's a walk, there's a standing, and there's an action to sit. There's a council, there's a path, and there's a seat, a table, seats around the table. There is somehow a progression that is presented on this beginning of this poem. And it sets, um, it sets, has a development of one's heart or mind that progresses more and more and more far away from God. Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, those who do not follow the advice of others that do bad, that love evil, that are naughty, that are perverts, and as has they walk, and, we, and we walk, we, our life is a journey. We walk, and daily we are exposed to whatever opinions, advices that, come, that can come left and right. And the psalm says, blessed are those who, as they walk, they pay attention 
and they distinguish what can be good or bad advices. And they are walking. But it continues, he said, but as they walk, there can be a moment where they actually stand in the path. So I'm hearing advices and I'm challenged to discern if the, these advices are good or not, but there's a moment, a danger moment where we can stand. I stop to listen, to listen, because something might call my attention. It might, that particular advice might somehow be useful. And so the path that I was moving, and I was walking, I now stand because I do actually want to hear more about that advice. But the psalm warns us, advice is from who? Be careful about the advices of sinners. Sin is everything that misses God's standards. How important it is to have some sort of standards. How important it is to have objective truth. God, the creator of the galaxies, of the, the big universe galaxies and stars and planets, is the same God that created the small uh, cells and atoms of your body. And this God that created everything has the authority to establish standards to which he wants to rule his creation. And these standards were not put in order for us, his creatures, to live a miserable, boring life because there are limits, boundaries, but because God wants us to live a life full of joy inside those boundaries that he who created everything knows they are the best for us. It's danger when we walk and we don't discern from the advices that are good or bad. It's even more dangerous when we stand because something calls our attention and we are there feeding from it somehow. But it's even more dangerous when we sit down in the table of the scoffers. When we sit down, we say, I join in. Now I belong. Now I put all my weight into something or someone. But I belong to a group of scoffers. I belong to a group of people that completely reject God, that completely reject God's standards, and they mock and they don't care about it at all. You see the psychology of sin here. John Piper called it a movement from lesser engagement to the fuller, more fixed, and settled agreement. And many times this can be a slow progression. Many times it might begin with something that seems small or insignificant, controllable, but it can lead us and it can catch our attention in such a way that ends up owning us. Something that I struggle. And I use it as an example. The way I deal with my time. I love movies. I love series. I love to, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love 
cinema. I love that art. But if I'm not careful, I, am, I, I, I can waste hours and hours in front of a computer screen watching series, watching whatever. And I, I, I might even lose sense of being entertained with something else than what not that series, movies might bring to me. And sometimes I have two or three series at the same time hanging there. And if I have any free time to do, I need to, you know, catch up with, with, with whatever I'm seeing, you know? What, is, what, what are those things in your life that might slow progress you to a point that ends up owning you? Does it mean we cannot use Netflix? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is how careful we have to be to discern these areas in our life, and we have our own struggles, we have our own weakness, what are the areas that we need to discern and be careful so, they, so we don't come too dependent on them? Or what are the things we seek in our life as if they were the sources of our happiness? Or what are the advices that we hear from those that say, you will be happy if you name it. Are you, are you running after cars? Are you running after money? You think you'll be happy if you have that mansion, that penthouse um, with a 20-meter with a pool, you know? What, what, what are the things that we seek and we think they will fulfill our, our state uh, and give us a state of, of, of joy and we end up depending too much on it. There's a difference between trusting in something or trusting in someone or making it your trust. There's a difference between trusting in something or someone or let that thing own you. And that's how the psalm starts with this kind of advice. Wait, be careful. How blessed are those who do not follow this path? Then it shows a second path, a second alternative. Verse 2. The second path is a path that says a fully satisfied person, a blessed person, is then secondly described by someone who seeks what? And that's what verse 2 tells us. But... Their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law they meditate day and night. The contrast with verse 1 is that he or she now, they, they don't put their weight, their full attention, and then, and then delight in something that fall out of God's standards. But now they put their full Wait and delight in the law of the Lord. And you may ask, Pedro, what is the law of the Lord? It's a wonderful question. What is the law of the Lord? Is the law of the Lord that part of the Bible that talks about all the rules that there is? Is it Christian life? A set of do's and don'ts that we have to constantly be evaluating. I did this. I did not do that. I need to follow all the rules so I'll feel good about myself. 
This expression, the law of the Lord, is referring to the scriptures, to the whole set of scriptures that we find in the Bible that are useful for our teaching. The law of the Lord is not about that part, it's not about that list of rules for our life, but it's about the whole message that can be a ruler of our life. And then you may ask, what is to meditate? Some more people are... Uh, <laughs> What is to meditate? So there is scriptures of the Bible we are called to meditate upon. But what is to meditate uh, on those scriptures? Meditation here is not what we might tend to think about the Eastern concept of meditation where we just have to stay still and maybe empty our minds to such a point that we reach some sort of perfect state of illumination, of ecstasy. Meditation here is not empty our minds in order for. It's quite the opposite. A theologian called Richard Baxter, he says, defines meditation as fixing your mind on the particular truth, then speaking to your heart about it until God comes near and you sense his presence. Tim Keller put in his own words, he says, it's about taking the truths of the Bible, pressing it down to the very base of your heart until it catches fire. In Hebrew, the word meditate could be translated into, as to sight or to murmur, as if you were reading something and you are reading it out loud so that you are able to process better what you are reading. There's another expression in Hebrew about meditation, which means to rehearse in one's mind, to rehearse in your mind. So actually, meditation is to think deeply, is to dive in on something and dwell on that particular truth. Let's try again. So you may ask, Pedro, how do I meditate in practical terms? Your questions are getting better and better. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm prepared for that answer. But simply put, then, okay, how, how, how do I meditate into something? All right, choose a subject, okay? Choose a particular verse or a paragraph of the Bible. Choose uh, maybe a topic. Um, I want to meditate on a topic of uh, forgiveness, all right? Choose a particular um, word, an expression, and now we're going to dive in into that, right? But we need, to, we need to focus. We need to find a quiet place or a quiet time. Set aside a fixed amount of time. Don't try to meditate about important things while you're, I don't know, you're just driving or, or, or uh, in your classroom, for example. All right? Try to take a time where you can focus away from distractions and you can pray and ask God to redirect you. I want to learn about this. So I want to be intentional with the time I take to actually uh, study it. And then you study it. 
you take notes, have a journal to write, think out loud, it helps me a lot. Vocalize your questions, say them out loud. Vocalize your question, vocalize your thoughts, memorize that particular verse or that particular paragraph. Memorize in your brain so that you can be reminded about it and you can actually probably rephrase in your own familiar terms so that that idea gets to the very bottom of your heart and catches fire. And now you know, and now you dwell in that. And that's, and that's what, what the, the psalm is, is challenging us. Meditate on something. Apply yourself to learn something. But it's also something important here. When the Bible, many times when mentions meditation, this um, spiritual discipline, <laughs> it often mentions obedience or a call to action in the next breath. We don't meditate, we don't study, so that the knowledge stays here. We don't do it, we don't just isolate ourselves so we can be alone in, in the high mountain, the all-knowing Pedro there with his own thoughts and with his own discoveries, and then we don't put it into practice. Look at what God said to Joshua. Joshua, may this book of the law... May it not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, you see, shall meditate on it, day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. Meditate, think deeply, think about these truths, so that you can do something about it, put it into practice. And either here in, uh, in Joshua or even in, in, the, in the, the verse in Psalm, it says, meditate day and night. I don't think it literally means day and night to a sense as you don't do anything else but to think about it. But it's made at night has, make it a method. Make it a discipline. And I, and I like this, um, the, the 3D's uh, progression of what, it, of what this method may be. Maybe the beginning, it, ha it really has to be a discipline, you know? You discipline yourself, you take your fixed time, you say, you, I want to do it in the morning or at night, and you have to make it a discipline, you know? Like a, a runner that has to run a marathon, he has to have discipline, he has to set, set aside the time, training, the, the, what he eats, whatever, you know? Make it a discipline. In the beginning, probably it's very mechanical. Second D, later will probably become a desire, where you don't have to think so much about the setting time that you have to use. I, now I have to use this time, then it becomes a desire, and those times may be prolonged, and, and now it, you, you think more about it, and you can wait to, to dwell again. And then the third D, then it can become a delight, where meditating, exploring, dwelling on the topic, on the word, Studying the word, it just becomes a delight. First, might be very mechanical, is a discipline, then it might become a desire, then it might become a delight. And that's what the psalm challenges us. How fulfilled, how joyful are those that take delight in studying the scriptures of God.
And we might even think, and for me that's even more important, this delight will not come merely as a consequence of a discipline you took, as a method you took. But this delight surely will come when you understand better what God did for you and for me and for us even when we break, even when we fall short of his standards often and often and often. In other verses, and I had it here on the conclusion, but I want to, it's, it's not on the slide, but there's another psalm that says, how blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven. How blessed, how joyful are those who know their sin is covered. And when we understand that because even though we broke the law of God, when we understand that in God's heart, He didn't want to leave us there alone with the guilt of having uh, uh, break His law, but He Himself sent His own Son to die on the cross, to take that punishment in our place, then we delight in knowing there is forgiveness available. In Hebrews it says, yes, by God's grace, by His mercy, God took also delight. Jesus tasted death for everyone. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, they have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. This law we constantly break, these standards, these many times we, we fall in this verse 1, these many times we don't follow the right advice, Many times we sit and we join in the tables of those who mock God. It's many times I lose time and, and things own me. There is forgiveness available because Jesus took that punishment for us. And when we understand that, oh, the delight that comes in understanding forgiveness. And we search God out of the love we have for him because he loved us first. The psalm continues. And then what happens then to the person that follows this second path? What happens to the, the person that follows this second path instead of the first one? And the psalm brings us an illustration, a beautiful imagery. It's a poem, right? So the poem will bring us an image that is so powerful. Verse 3. Those that follow that second path, they will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, 
which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever they do they prosper so let's picture a tree song give us an image they will be like a tree and in a tree what we can see the trunk and the branches and, and the, the, there is the, the outside part the, the top part of the tree but there's also the the, the, the inside part the, the part that is underneath that is grounded so we will explore this image of the tree and as I was meditating on this psalm to, uh, to, to bring today as I was meditating on this image these were a few ideas that came to my mind according to this verse and there may be many more as you will think about it but I want to start from the bottom, from the underground, from the, th the things we don't see, as the verse 3 say. This tree is firmly planted, is firmly rooted by streams of water. Someone that follows the right path, the righteous person, is planted or on something or someone that is besides himself or herself. This person is not planted, look at, looking at himself, always looking for his own interest, but he's planting beside something. And he says, it's like a tree planted by streams of water. What are these, what are these streams of water? What is this river uh, that, 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 that feeds the tree? First, this river is a constant source. The river does not dry. So the roots are stretched to reach and drink and absorb from that source. And again, that source, as we just saw in the verse 2, that source is uh, the scriptures that bring us so much. But I thought of what Jesus said about himself. When Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman by the well, Jesus stopped and he was thirsty and a woman came to pick water and he starts a conversation with this woman and he uses this image of the water she was taking and in, in, in some point of the conversation Jesus says, woman, if you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And he points to the well and says, Anyone who drinks this water from the well will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. This was a private conversation that Jesus had with a woman. But later in John chapter 7, Jesus publicly, before many people, he said also of himself, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Jesus talks about himself as of this river, of this source of life. Root yourself in knowing the person of Jesus. Root yourself, meditate, dive in, think deeply about his teachings, his character. I just mentioned two stories that are from a book, the book of John. John was a disciple of Jesus, and he wrote a biography of what Jesus did on earth while John was with him. So 
Start with this book, for example. Think deeply. Who is this Jesus? And the deeper you go in understanding Jesus, the bigger the tree will be. The more you drink from him, the more you meditate, the more you think, the more you will be transformed. The roots stretch as far as they can go so they can absorb as much as they get so that the tree can grow as much as it can. So now we will look at the top, uh, at the treetop. We look at the outside. What does the psalm tell us about this tree? Who, these people that meditate in the law of God, they are like this tree. And what happens to this tree? This tree yields its fruit in its season. The tree drinks from the right source and produces the right fruits. Drink, the, the tree drinks from a source of living water and produces something else that is positive. Where do we hear in the Bible talking about fruits? What fruits can this tree produce? We are reminded of what the Bible says in Galatians about the fruits, about the, 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 the things that can change our character and put it into actions. Love, joy, or joy, peace, patience, kindness to one another, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all these fruits, all these actions, all these things that we as trees have to give if we are drinking from the right source. Many times, different seasons will demand different fruits. Many times, we might not be able to produce as much fruit as we would like. Many times, we don't love our, our spouse as we should. Many times, we are not kind or patient to other people as we should. Many times, our fruits are just hanging there. They are a little bit dry. Or many times we're facing desert seasons where we don't even see any fruit hanged from the tree. But the tree is not dead. The tree is not dependent on the external circumstances, but the tree is dependent on the source. The tree is not fed from those circumstances, but the tree drinks from the source, from his roots. So the psalm says, the leaf will not wither. Those that are fulfilled by meditating, by knowing God, by knowing Jesus, by, by being planted, even when harsh time comes, even when circumstances will be difficult, the leaf will not wither. The tree will not die. The tree is subject to season, but will not die. A fully satisfied person 
this happy person is not someone who is always smiling, is not someone whose pain and disease and the loss of beloved ones are foreign things to him. That's not the, the type of happiness I'm talking about. Someone that is fully satisfied is someone that goes through sad time, yes, but it does not despair. Goes through desert times, yes, cries like Jesus Christ, cries like your brother or your sister cries. Is someone that has to endure trials, but is someone that does not wither. Someone that does not despair. Why? Because it's still drinking from the right source. Escaping from trials is not a promise from God. It's not a promise that God gives for those who follow him. Faith is not a coin we put in a machine and the machine gives everything that we have. That's not the faith that we preach. That's not what we find in the scriptures. What we find is, and I'm repeating myself, but what we find is, yes, a tree can grow, can go through seasons, but the leaf will not wither because it's drinking from the right source. And what does, what use is the, that tree top, that amount of leaves? What use can have all those branches that stretch in the big tree? What can leaves do for others? Leaves a good tree top. It provides shade. It provides protection for those who go underneath, who enjoy that shade to escape from the scorching sun. Provides a place of rest for those who need rest. May we be like trees full of leaves, so that we can be as shelters, so we can be someone that provides comfort, shade for others. Birds find refuge in the tree. Birds make their nests in the middle of the tree so that they find refuge from the predators. May we be like someone where other people might take refuge. May we be friend, may we be a good spouse, may we, may we be close to people, may we be someone that people can count on, can trust on us, may we provide the comfort that they need, may we be used by that. Leaves, especially in autumn, you now we see all the red and the yellow leaves and they provide color, they provide inspiration. May our lives inspire beauty to the lives of others as well. And in whatever they do, they prosper. And looking at the context that this expression comes in verse 3, this idea of, of, of success in whatever they do, they prosper. I believe it's because in whatever we were planted to do, we fulfill our purpose. Our success is what we then are able to give to others. We are, we are drinking from the right source. We are meditating on it. We are being fed. And so we can 
bless others. We can provide protection and inspiration. And we can, yes, we can bless the others. And we prosper in doing so. We can be used by God to be a church that is alive. Gabby was just mentioning, we're just not confining these walls. We have social work that happens throughout the week. But you, where you are in your work, in your school, in your circumstances, you are fed so that you can prosper in blessing the others as well. And I think that makes a lot of sense when we read of how God wants us to be like trees so that. I'm concluding now. Paul and the team can, can come forward. But the psalm then concludes and saying, but you know what happens to those that follow the first path? They are like chef, which the wind drives away. You know what chef is? I put a, a picture. You know, is that part of the, that, that protection part of the, of the grain of wheat that it's taken out because there's no use or the, or the straw of it. They are like chef. There's no roots, there's no foundation, there's no structure. When the wind comes, it's easily drifted away, unstable, it's destroyed. They, they are blown by the wind and some days they are happy, some days they are not, some days something happens and they're, you know, what is that? Compare that to the, to the beautiful tree. So who do we want to be? What are we seeking after? Do we want to develop a life where we understand the power, the beauty of meditating, of enjoying what God has for us? Are we drinking from the source of forgiveness that we find in Jesus Christ? Do we take the light in Jesus has our constant source. The psalm ends. For the Lord knows the way of righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The psalm links that idea with, the, with, with its beginning. The psalm calls a righteous person someone who delights in him. And who delights in him follows this path. Who doesn't follow another path. One path will lead to salvation. One path will lead to full, to a fulfilled life of joy. Another path will lead to destruction. Jesus warned that there are many paths. Many of them are very large and compelling and they will lead to destruction. But, said, but Jesus also said there is a path, the path of life. He's narrow, has its boundaries, has its standards, has its way. But that path will lead to life. And as you follow that path, you are like a tree. Which path are we willing to follow? Father God, you speak through your word and you speak in so many different ways. Father, you know each one of us here. 
you know where we came from you know our history you know our background you know our needs you know our struggles you know who we are father you know us and to us all you challenge us to follow you you challenge us to follow the right path you challenge us to take the light in you father we want to know how to do that we want to learn how to do it we want to grow in, in such a, a relationship with you god in such in such an intimate relationship with you that we take fully the light in you and because you know us father you know how to transform us you know how to deal with us you know what needs to be forgiven you know it all so here we come and we lay down before you the many times or the many things either in the past or in the present the many things where we walk or stand or, or, or sit on or depend on we lay them all before you God and we ask you to take care we come before you and we ask for We want to drink from the right water. So, Father, work in us. Work in us. Help us. Build us. Speak to us, Father.